Good morning, good morning. Breakfast and the class today is dedicated in loving memory and Lilui Nishmat Yosef Moshe Ben Rabbi Meir Alava Shalom, sponsored by his son Rafael Dagan. Breakfast and the class also donated today anonymously in uh, my honor and in my, the honor of my family of anonymously and as well in honor of the birthday of Rabbi Mizrahi that was this past week. We also have another dedication today in honor of the birthday of Jessica Zaga, who is the uh, mainstay of our synagogue, who's running around on a Sunday morning trying to get the father and son program uh, together. She works very, very hard, and we appreciate all uh, that she does. Rabotai. We read about a character in this week's parasha that leaves on a life-changing journey. You know, just a couple weeks ago, we read about an Avraham who grows up in a town, in a village, in a, you know, in a place where he's different to everybody else. And God tells him, Lech lecha me'artecha, travel from your land, from your comfort place, from your moladetecha, mibet avicha, you know, I want you to travel on this new path. And I'm going to make you great. And I'm going to do wonderful things for you and your family. We see over here as well a very similar parallel incident with Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov, in some ways, is stuck in his family situation. He's got a brother that hates his guts. He has a father, perhaps, that's underestimating how evil his brother is, always trying to make them get together and do things and projects together. But really, it's not destined to be that way. Until finally, the story, the incident, forces an occurrence to happen that Yaakov has to leave his place and go somewhere else. The Maharal writes in many, many places that whenever you find a large-scale event in the Torah, not something small, something as big as the story of the Berachot, the story of the tricking of Yitzchak and the dressing up of Yaakov, always know that that is not a coincidental occurrence. It's not something that someone happened to do, but it was something that God guided that thing to happen in order to advance his plan for the world. The Maharal writes this in many, many places. So certain big things that you find in the Torah, they were always going to happen. What that means is that it had to be that Yaakov Avinu would leave this place and travel and go on a journey that would ultimately turn him into the person that he was supposed to become. We read about Yaakov Avinu and we hear that he is Ishtam. He is a straightforward and innocent man. And it is always a person who is uh, innocent or a person who is kind or a person who is, uh, you know, diligent, that they are given tests and they are given nisyonot to bring out their best self, oftentimes by having to deal with people who are their opposite. It's not a mistake that Ya Avraham Avinu has to face the specter of being responsible for overseeing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's decision to destroy Sodom. Think about that. These are people who are the opposite of his natural tendencies. And it's up to Avraham to overcome his own natural tendencies of Chesed, to say that even these people who stand for the obliteration of Chesed in the world, I also have to be able to see something positive about them and to pray for them. Ultimately, God doesn't decide that they are worth saving in that manner. However, Avraham still faces the challenge. The same thing with Yaakov. Yaakov is a man who is uh, 
spoken about in terms of the Ish Emet. So who does the Ish Emet need to live with and deal with? He has a brother like Esav and a father-in-law like Lavan to challenge and to bring out specifically his character traits. You know, Lavan leaves, he leaves this place and we talk, we talk about him. Rashi says on the spot, what does it mean he, he, he left and he went? To teach you that not only was his arrival in the new place felt, but also his leaving in the old place was felt. When a Sadiq lives in a place, they can change the whole area. Uh, a good rabbi, a good Sadiq, a good teacher, they could change the whole school, they could change a whole yeshiva, they could change a whole community, a whole city. So that's the power of a Sadiq. Now listen to this, Rabotai. So this great Sadiq who makes such an impact, and you know the famous line goes that it is much more difficult to make your absence felt than your presence. When you're in a room, you're able to change the dynamic by being charismatic, by being dynamic, by joking around. But you know what? It's much harder to have people remember that you were there after you left. And Yaakov Avinu was capable of doing both. So this is a man of uh, unbelievable tzidkut. And then he goes to a place with no yeshiva, and no Beit Knesset, and no Jewish community, and no Yitzchak Avinu, and no Rivka Imenu. And what does he have in this place? A father-in-law who lies his way through life. Yaakov makes a deal with him, a straightforward deal. It's obvious, it's clear. Yaakov spells it all out. Rachel warns him, you're not going to be able to trick my father. You're not going to be able to do business with him. You're not going to be able to pull it off. Yaakov says, don't worry, I know how to deal. And yet, Lavan takes advantage of him with Rachel and Leah. Yet, Lavan takes advantage of him with regards to his own salary until the, the point in the parasha where Yaakov has to say that he's changed my deal. One opinion is he tricked me or lied to me 10 times he cheated me. Another opinion is that he cheated me 10 times 10. And they give a list of all the different things that Lavan did to Yaakov. Rabotai, you'd think that after all this occurred, that after everything that happened, yet like Yaakov told Rachel, he said, don't worry. He quotes the Pasuk, you know, Imtam titamam. You know, you deal with someone who's straight, you're straight with them. Im ikesh titapal. When someone is twisted, then the way that you deal with them is by kind of leaning into that twist along with them. And then the result is that actually justice is served. The question is, how many times can someone do that? You know, there's a very interesting line from the Menchat Chinuch. I used to love this idea. My rabbi taught it to us. The Menchat Chinuch writes that the Gemara tells us on Lotignov, it teaches us that it's asur to steal al menat lemekat in order, for, in order to, to tease. It's asur to steal in order for a joke. It's asur to steal even lishalem tashlume. Now, what does that mean? The Gemara is telling you that if you steal for a joke, you still stole. And if you stole because you're trying to tease someone, you still stole. Then the Gemara says as follows. Even if you stole with the intention of paying back, what is it talking about? You have a guy in the community. 
He's in desperate times and desperate straits. You want to help the guy out. He won't take your charity. Brilliant idea. Steal his cow, have it for dinner. The halacha says, person who steals a cow, and then tavachu machar, you have to pay tashlume dalet vehe. You have to pay four times the value of the cow. Steal his cow, eat it for dinner, and then you give him four times, five times the value of the sheep or the cow that you stole. Brilliant move. And his dignity is intact. Answers the Gemara, Asur. Writes the Minchat Chinuch, why? He says, pay attention. It does not say that you can't be gozel. You can't steal in the same way. Now, what's the difference between Gineva and Gezela? Gizela is when you walk in the guy's front door, you hold the gun to his head, you say, give me the Fabergé egg. I don't know why I chose that. Either way, okay? You steal it from him openly, middle of the day. Gineva is when you sneak into his house, you open the window, you, you know, mission impossible in, you mission impossible out. Amazing, okay? What's the difference, says the, uh, the Menchat Chinuch? He said, being a Ganav requires you to do it in the middle of the night you're becoming a trickster. You're being s- sneaky. Even if you were sneaky for the right reasons, you're still teaching yourself to be sneaky. That's not something we're worried about as much with Gezela as we are with Geneva. That's what the Minchat Chinuch writes. So here we are, you have Yaakov Avinu trying to deal all this time with a sneaky guy. Doesn't that erode his character? And what I found so fascinating is at the end of the parasha, we find that Yaakov undoes everything that Lavan did to him. Like the pasuk says, Vayignov Yaakov et lev Lavan. Yaakov stole Lavan's heart. What does that mean? That after all the tricks that Lavan played on Yaakov, Yaakov spoke to the daughters. He said, look, the guy's tr- you know, stabbing me in the back every t- chance he gets. The daughters say, what, you think he's different with us? He's the same way, he doesn't care about us at all. He sold us literally to you just to make a buck. We're ready to go with you. They leave in the middle of the night. Lavan is one of those guys on the court we used to say, you know those guys that foul everybody, but then you foul them and they start crying? They get one foul after fouling everybody. They say they can dish it out, but they can't take it. Lavan dishes it out. He can't take it. That someone should get one over on him, the master trickster. He stole his very heart. This was Lavan's passion, was tricking. And someone got one over, someone tricked him. And yet, when we begin the new parasha, next week we'll read that Yaakov sends a message to Esav. And he says to him, In Lavan Garti, I lived with Lavan, says Rashi, Garti, Vitaryag mitzvot shamarti. The word Garti is the same letters as the word Taryag. He says to Esav, don't think you'll be able to overcome me because I haven't kept the mitzvot. Taryag mitzvot shamarti. I kept the 613 mitzvot. One of which, Rabutai, is Midvar Sheker Tirchak. So we're seeing a Yaakov Avinu who's given the tests of his life. We see a Yaakov Avinu who lives in a place which is the anathema to that midah, the opposite of himself. 
But if the Yaakov Avinu does what he has to do, follows the halakha, he winds up at the end of it emerging unscathed. And I found that to be such a fascinating lesson. You know, Rabotai, I hear this from people all the time. In fact, I was reading the, an article only last night. There's a man, his name is Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox is a famous actor. Unfortunately, at the age of 29, he uh, suffered from a devastating diagnosis of Parkinson's, very young. Slowly but surely, first a couple of ticks, first uh, just a, a moving finger and a sore shoulder, but slowly but surely it got worse and worse and worse, until only this past week, the actor announced that he would no longer be able, he would no longer be able to, uh, um, to act at all. Abotai, this is a man whose optimism and whose energy has propelled his organization to raise, over 20 years, over $1 billion in research for Parkinson's. He's someone who's constantly joyous. You know, you, you look at this man and you're like, wow, look at him living his life. Look at him being successful. He tells every Parkinson sufferer, you can do it. And his, the title of his book that came out this week is When Optimism Meets Mortality. Now he can feel there's much less time. Now he says it's much more difficult to be optimist when you're on the floor. Rabotai, I have not yet read the book and I do not intend to judge the book by its cover. But what, what I want to point out is that there are people who live through their life and although their life throws many, many things at them, they don't allow that thing, that life, that challenge to change who they are. This is a man for 30 years he's been suffering, 30 years he's been optimistic. Now he says it's a little bit difficult to stay optimistic when I'm shaking on the floor. When I know my time is around the corner. But you know what? Whether or not his optimism is rock solid, this man who suffered through this and didn't allow it to change his happy-go-lucky persona that we remember from way back then, through thick and thin, through highs and terrible lows. Rabotai, I'm wondering what this means for all of us. We're learning from this parasha that it's possible to have a business partner stab you in the back and decide to remain an honest person. To decide to say that, you know what? This is how everybody succeeds. This is how everybody gets ahead. I'm the only shlemiel, the only shlemazel that keeps his word. Well, I can't lie in a board meeting. I can't tell someone to invest in me and then not return his money. I could do that too. Yaakov teaches us that you could live with Lavan. He could take advantage of you six ways to Sunday. And then you could emerge returned back to your original state, Taryag Mitzvot Shamati. Those incidents are not there to change you, to guide you to not be your best self. They're there to raise you to be your best self. But never that you should give in. If you're with someone, if you're a loving person, and you're with someone that takes, takes, that, that, takes, that, for, takes that for granted. So what's the answer? What do I have to show love if my partner is not loving?
I'll show a little bit less love. I'll get a little bit less hurt. Has shalom. Do you understand? I'm the one that donates money that's very generous in the community, but I don't get the recognition from the people. Who cares? That lack of recognition, that's your challenge to your generosity. Rabotai, you're understanding the power of the message that we're getting here. That Yaakov is able to remain Yaakov. I love that line. The Pasuk tells us, after all of this, and we're going to read more about it next week, Vayivater Yaakov levado. And Yaakov was left alone. Yaakov was left by himself. And everyone focuses on what it means that Yaakov was left alone by himself. And we learn, the Midrash tells us, that he was ferrying his family across the river. There was some little, you know, vessels he forgot behind. He went back to get them. And he was left alone. And what happens when he's left alone? He gets attacked. I think sometimes in the Pasuk, we rush so fast to get to the end that we forgot the beginning. Perhaps there's a powerful message, not in that Yaakov remained alone, but simply that Yaakov remained. Think about that for a minute. You know, you think, how much can a person take? How much before you, you stop? You know, I used to, I remember there was a, a brand in Israel, a telephone brand called Golan. It came after all the established telephone companies, Pelophone and Cellcom, all the Orange, remember all the, the big telephone companies in Israel. And then along comes this upstart telephone company. And what were they called? Golan. You know what their advertising slogan was? The strap line for Golan? Maspik liot freyer. That does not mean enough being a person who makes french fries, Rabotai. Maspik liot freyer means Hadje, enough being a dib that everyone takes advantage of. Yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not paying the prices of the other, you know, cell phone companies. Now, where Golan went and what they've achieved, you know, a different question. But sometimes a person feels that way. I'm done. I'm done being taken advantage of. That's how people treat me. I'm going to change. Rabotai, See those people as people challenging you to be an even better you. As Boreo Olam asking you, come on, what do you got? There's a fascinating line, and with this we'll end. We read that Yaakov, as we said, gets tricked again and again and again and again. But what's interesting to notice is that although Yaakov gets tricked again and again, we don't find Yaakov getting upset. He says to his father-in-law, Lama Zerimitani, why did you trick me like this? But when Rachel comes to Lavan, to Yaakov, and she says, what's going on? How come I don't have children? Give me children. If not, meta anochi. Yaakov, what does he respond to her? Vayichar af Yaakov. Now Yaakov gets angry. Now he's upset. When Lavan tricks you 50 times, you don't lose your cool. When your wife comes to you and asks you, you have children now, you're getting upset? Am I, am I instead of God? And the Sepharim say something magnificent. Yaakov understood that although Lavan was the face that was tricking him, this wasn't Lavan. This was the test. 
the road, the path, the game that God had had prepared for him. So what am I going to get angry at Lavan for? It's not about him, it's about me. I'm being challenged to see if I can be the oil that rises above the water, the ish emet that doesn't stop being an ish emet. But when it came to the fact that he and Rachel couldn't have children, he understood that there, it wasn't that, you know, Rachel is just the emissary. He'd already had children. He understood that to be HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will. So he's saying to Rachel, don't you understand? This is not between me and you. This is between you or me and Hashem. And to not accept it or to be upset about it, can't do that. Do you understand? Rabotai, this teaches us, and I think this is the powerful idea, that when something is challenging us, especially when it keeps happening, especially when it's aseret monim, you keep having a certain occurrence happen again and again and again. And I always say, try and think when you're having this experience again and again and again, if it keeps repeating, what does that mean? It means that I didn't get the message. So if there's a common denominator between all of them, recognize that it's clear that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling you, I'm training you in this area. When you go to the gym and you want to work out your arms, what do you do? You place a heavy load on that specific muscle. So if you're being tested, Aseret Monim, and it's again and again and again in the world of trickery, you know Hashem is testing your Midat emet, And that's how you break through this. When you finally have enough Emet, Hashem allows you to overturn the Ke'ara, overturn the pot. And that's what happens. When Yaakov has done enough, he gets Hashem saying, time to go. And what happens in that moment, the greatest trickster in the world winds up getting tricked by Yaakov. Fascinating. So in every instance that we have that Rabotai, we have this opportunity to flip the script, to be able to do this, so long as we recognize that that is exactly what Hashem is trying uh, to speak to us, to challenge us with. So ask Hashem on a recurring difficulty, which midah is this God placing uh, weight on? Don't lose your temper, don't get angry, don't kill the messenger like they say. Focus on how this changes your understanding of what Hashem wants for you.